0: Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord God, in a world of so many different competing words of truth, it is your truth alone that can give us life. So we pray, O oh God, that you would be gracious to our seeking today, that we would hear your voice above all else. In Jesus' name, amen first scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. Now from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine. But having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away into myths. As for you, always be sober, enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. That is the old question asked of witnesses in a courtroom in order to ensure that their testimony is honest. The courtroom is actually also the original context for the ninth commandment given by God to the Israelites at Mount Sinai You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Or, more simply, as Paul enjoins in our text this morning, and as most of us learned as children in Sunday school, do not lie. In other words, always speak nothing but the truth. Do not lie, tell the truth. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? And yet I'm not sure that there are many things that we struggle more with as a society right now than this, where truth has become a matter of personal preference or political expediency. And therefore, a lie or fake news has become anything that contradicts what we choose to believe or anything that undermines the cause regardless of the facts. And that means that truth has become very arbitrary and very individual. Unfortunately, a society cannot exist, at least not in any healthy way, without a corporate commitment to truth and a shared sense of reality. That's why going all the way back to ancient Israel, there was such a concern for the truthfulness of information that is shared in the pursuit of justice. Because without truth, there can be no justice. And without justice, there can be no real community. As one scholar writes, community life is not possible unless there is some arena in which there is public confidence, corporate confidence, that public reality will be shared in an honest and reliable fashion without excessively being influenced by self-interest or party ideology. We need to know that there is at least somewhere Somewhere in our community where truth is being protected and cherished. Because where truth is not protected, then ultimately neither are we. And where truth is not cherished, then either chaos or tyranny will result. And we've seen plenty of examples of that in the last century. A society cannot survive without truth. This is one of the reasons why we tend to get so upset when we hear about the outcome of a trial that seems to contradict what we all know to be true, like what happened this past week with the officers who shot Breonna Taylor. It it undermines the foundation that holds our society together. This is why the black community in America has not often felt like it was part of the American community, because this kind of thing has happened far too many times for far too long, revealing that the founders claim that all people are created equal is actually not a self-evident truth in our society. And when we cannot trust that the truth will be protected on our behalf. Well, then what options are left for us other than to protest and try to force a change or despairing of that to simply look at only for ourselves, abandoning all concern for our neighbor or the common good? Now, of course, that was actually one of the primary purposes of the law of Moses given to the Israelites. To teach them how to love their neighbor and how to work for the common good. That law was their training manual. Meant to prepare them for life in the promised land as God's holy people. But the only way that was going to be possible is if they were corporately committed to the truth. The truth that Yahweh alone is God. And that they were called to become a community of justice and mercy and faithfulness and righteousness and love. Showing all the other nations what the kingdom of God is like. Unfortunately, the Israelites struggled badly to protect and cherish that truth. Instead, they worshiped so many other gods that are not gods. They did not create a just society, but they oppressed the poor and did not take care of those in need. They had false prophets who spoke lies in God's name. They had kings and leaders who acted as if they were above the law and that it didn't apply to them. And they hoarded the promises of God. Forgetting that they were called to be a light to all the nations. So that all people might come to know the one true God. And as a result, their community, their nation, became divided and ultimately destroyed. Because they did not protect and cherish The truth. Now, unfortunately, our society has not done much better at this, where, as I said earlier, truth has become a matter of personal preference. We now choose the facts. We want to believe. We listen only to news programs that reinforce what we already think. Even in the church, we now choose to to keep the parts of our faith that we like, and we just ignore the parts that don't really work for us. We have become, in the words of the Apostle Paul, people with itchy ears who accumulate for ourselves teachers to suit our own desires, to tell us only what we want to hear. We have turned away from listening to the truth and have wandered off into myths and conspiracy theories and propaganda. I, I can't tell you how many emails I have been forwarded, mostly by other Christians, that have contained some video, some story, some article that was intended to outrage me or make me very afraid of them, occasionally meant to inspire, but that about a 30-second search on Google reveals to be either a half-truth, a highly manipulated truth, or a flat-out lie. Brothers and sisters, this should not be so. As Christians, We are called to be people of the truth because we follow the one who himself is the truth of God incarnate. The one in whom, Paul says, we have been clothed with a new self that is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator who is the source of all truth. And our old self, with its deceitful ways, has been stripped away, Paul says. We cannot be people, therefore, who spread or promote falsehood. As Christians, we have to be people who are committed to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that means, first and foremost, that we have to be devoted to the Word of God, and not just the parts that we want or that support our political agendas, but all of it. It's the only way we're ever going to be able to fulfill the calling that God has placed in our lives so that we too one day might receive that crown of righteousness that Jesus has waiting for us. Now, today is Confirmation Sunday, the day when nine young men and women stand up and publicly profess their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This day is a great testimony to the work of the Holy Spirit that has been done in their lives, through their families, and through this congregation. It's an exciting day in so many ways, uh, partly because they represent the next generation of the church, which unfortunately in our country is a generation that is increasingly missing from the pews on Sunday mornings. And while there are probably many reasons for this, I believe that one of the reasons is that they have a hawkeye for hypocrisy and inconsistency and contradiction. And they spot a lie when they see it. Now, I'm going to Speak to the confirmands here for a little bit, so if you're sleeping, now's the time to wake up. The rest of you can listen in. As hard as it is to admit in many ways, your parents' generation, my generation, and your grandparents' generation have failed you and your generation because we have not protected and cherished the truth. In the words of Garth Brooks, we have forgotten what's wrong. We've given up on what's right. Instead, we've simply asked, What's in it for me? And whether we realize it or not, we have taught you and modeled for you so many things that are not the truth, which unfortunately has revealed just how far. Our itchy ears have led us away from Jesus. We have told you that you should win at all costs. And that the ends always justify the means. As long as our position or our opinion wins the day. As long as the goal is accomplished, which we love to equate with the will of God. Then you should use whatever power is available to you and do whatever it takes to win, regardless of how immoral or unethical or illegal or self-serving it might be. But that is not the truth of the gospel. For the means must always match up with the ends in the Christian life. Remember Jesus said, a bad tree cannot produce good fruit for the kingdom. And in Jesus' own great victory of love, notice he did not destroy his enemies, but instead he died for them because his power is made perfect in weakness. And you're all going to have to choose whether you're going to live your life according to the world's definition of power or the Savior's. We've also told you that there's only one issue that matters in life, one issue that deserves all your time and attention, one issue that should determine every vote you make in your life, and that the complexities of that issue can be reduced to a slogan that fits on a bumper sticker. We've also told you that in order to be a Christian, you must always be on one particular side of that issue, whether it be abortion or climate control or the economy or guns, or sexuality, or immigration, or marriage, or health care, or civil rights, or poverty. But the truth of the gospel can never be reduced to any single issue other than the kingdom of God revealed in Jesus Christ who's concerned about all the issues. And when we focus only on any one issue at the expense of all the others, then we are abandoning most of Scripture. And if you're following Jesus with all your heart, I assure you sometimes He is going to challenge your positions on things. For as the religious leaders discovered, Jesus is not nearly as easy to pin down as most people think. And He will often surprise you. And I can tell you, and I've been a minister, a pastor long enough by now to know, that faithful, thoughtful, Bible-believing Christians can actually be members of different political parties, and they can come to very different conclusions about a lot of things. But what matters is not that we all always agree but how we treat one another and respect one another and love one another when we do not. Remember, the means are the ends in the Christian life. We've also told you that it's up to you to create a good life for yourself and that your identity is found in the choices that you make and all the things that you do. And that if you will just choose the right college to attend and the right major to study and the right career to follow and the right person to marry, then you will find happiness and become the person that you always wanted to be, or at least the person your family wants you to be. But if you choose to believe that lie, Then you will spend your life seeking in vain for that missing piece of the puzzle that will take away your unhappiness and your loneliness and your disappointment and give you peace. But here's the good news that I have for you today, the gospel truth. It is not up to you to construct the perfect life for yourself or to get yourself to the right place in life. That's the Savior's job. Your job is to follow Jesus and listen to His voice above all else. And your identity, it it doesn't come from from all the things that you do or the choices that you make, It, it doesn't come from the school you attend or from your GPA or from the things that you end up studying. It doesn't come from the sports that you play or the activities that you participate in or the person that you date. It doesn't even come from the family into which you were born. No, your identity was given to you as a gift in your baptism. When the Holy Spirit united you with Jesus Christ, clothing you with a whole new self, and claiming you as the beloved child of God with whom he is so well pleased. That is who you are. And God has chosen you, just as he chose the people of Israel, for a purpose. And God's purposes cannot ultimately be thwarted. Not even by an election. But you're going to have to decide whether you are you're going to play your god-given part in the story or not. But what all this means is that you don't have to go through your life paralyzed with fear that you're going to make a wrong choice that's going to ruin everything for you that's going to knock you outside the will of God. In the words of C.S. Lewis, God can use even the wrong roads to get you to the right place. After all, God is the king of all roads. And if you will seek God with all your heart, eventually, God's going to get you where He wants you to be in life. Believe me, I'm living testimony to this. This is why I I don't think God is, is, is all that concerned about many of the decisions that keep us up at night. You know, should I go to Michigan or Penn State? Should I study medicine or business? Should I date the blonde or the brunette? You can't choose your way outside the reach or the love of God. As if God is biting his nails, worrying over our choices, thinking, oh, I sure hope she doesn't pick Michigan because whew, I can't help her there. No, the truth is that God is far more concerned about who you are becoming in life and how you treat your neighbor and work for the common good than where you end up living or what you end up doing for a living or or how much you achieve or earn in your life. And God is, is just dying for you to become the person that he has created you And baptized you. And chosen you to become. So that you too can fulfill your purpose. And one day also receive that crown of righteousness. That Jesus has waiting for you. I'm telling you, it is the only prize in all of creation that is worth giving your whole life for. The question is, will you choose to go through this life with itchy ears, accumulating for yourself only those deceitful voices that tell you only what you want to hear? Or will you seek out Jesus and his voice above all else so that you might always know the truth? And that you might never forget who you are. As you hear those words again and again all the days of your life, you are my beloved child with whom I am so well pleased, and I have chosen you for a purpose. That, my friends, is the truth. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. And there's nothing you can do to change it. And if you will commit your life to that truth, whose name is Jesus, I promise you, you will never regret it. Amen.